Hollywood is rated LGBT Radio, starring your host, Rob Watson! Welcome, welcome, welcome to this installment of Rated LGBT Radio. Um, as always, we have an incredibly great show lined up for you. Um, this has got to be one at the very top of the list of great shows because we have none other than the Belinda Carlisle, also known as the Queen of the Go-Go's um, and certainly a queen of pop music itself, in the house. She's waiting on deck to come on um, I cannot even say enough. Uh, I've followed her career from day one. I mean, literally from uh, knowing of her when she was way back in the uh, pop punk rock scene in Hollywood, um, going for the Go-Go's, the Go-Go's career, her, her personal career, her travels to France, her travels to Thailand, and everything that happened in between. Um, we're going to talk to her about some really cool things that she has coming up. She just got inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, finally, long, long overdue. Um, she has an event coming up in West Hollywood that is super exciting, and it is for an incredibly good cause. She has a charity that uh, itself is astounding. So, um, and she's the mom of a prominent um, gay activist, writer, and um, uh, politician in West Hollywood. And he himself is, is no slouch. He is well-spoken, intelligent, and full of heart. And um, that has got to be a reflection of his mom. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about with, with uh, Belinda, and we'll have her on in just a second. First, I want to welcome to the show... Uh, my uh, illustrious co-host and the editor of the L.A. Blade magazine, Brody Levesque. Brody, welcome. Hey, good afternoon, Rob. Good afternoon, good morning, and good day to all of our listeners around the globe. We appreciate uh, you subscribing to our podcast, listening to the radio, uh, and it's always uh, nice to know that we're well-received out there. Um, I only really have one thing that I wanted to remind our listeners of uh, this week is Transgender Awareness Week, which culminates uh, in Saturday with the Transgender uh, Day of Remembrance, which is a day that we set aside to mark, uh, mourn, grieve, and celebrate the lives of transgender individuals, our brothers and sisters uh, who have been um, killed in acts of violence or, or they died in some unfortunate, tragic way. So we take that one day of the year on November 20 annually, and we celebrate them. We celebrate the community. Um, this has been an especially rough year for the trans community, not just here in the United States, but globally. Uh, the transgender community has been at the tip of the spear uh, now for uh, an incredible period of time. And I think that it's um, something that we should all be beholden to in terms of remembering them and supporting them. Uh, and awareness has a lot. Uh, to do with where we are, not only just as allies and as members of the LGBTQ plus community, but also, you know, as members of the 
you know, community of humans writ large. Um, I want to also give a shout out uh, to all of the amazing, wonderful trans people, at least in my life, some of whom have been a guest on the show. Uh, my dear friend, Julia Scotty, the comedian uh, in Whiting, New Jersey. My Brody brat, Landon Ritchie, who is an amazing force of nature. He's a 19-year-old college student in Houston, Texas. Uh, and I also want to remember someone that we lost a year ago during the pandemic, also from Houston, who was a dear personal friend of mine. I'm thinking of Monica Roberts this year again. Uh, Monica is why I have Landon as one of my Brody's brats. And uh, to all of you uh, out there, uh, let you know that, you know, those of us that do care, uh, we do have your back. We are thinking of you, uh, and we'll get there. And to Don Ennis, my dear friend and colleague, and the sports editor of the Los Angeles Blade, uh, a greeting on this side since she's in a Connecticut. Um, anyway, so that's what I wanted to say. It's just real short, sweet. Uh, it'll be nice to talk to uh, our guest, um, and I'll let Rob do his thing. But uh, folks, you know, remember that you know trans people are people. Trans. People are human, trans people, you know, are just themselves. You know, gender is not defined by what goes on a birth certificate. Gender is defined by who you are as a human being. And nobody, nobody has the right to tell you who you can be, what you are, who you can love. And with that, Rob, I throw it back to you. Yeah, and I also want to say thanks to Bryn Tenehall, who's a regular feature um, guest on our show who has um, brought a lot of trans education um, to the world, but uh, through us, um, we've, we've done that platform. And for our listeners, please do search back to our episode with Monica Roberts. Um, that was incredibly poignant, and um, she was such an important voice, and it was really sad that um, she was silenced uh, last year. Um, I also want to point out that a lot of our shows that we do that are highlighting the anti-trans legislation that is being put forth in a lot of states in, in this country um, lead to this kind of violence that um, uh, trans women in particular experience. And that is why we do what we do um, to fight to get that stuff off the books because as that is, those pieces of legislation get any kind of public support, it empowers people who are violent in nature, who want to take matters, quote-unquote, into their own hands, and it puts um, our, that vulnerable community at risk. So um, important stuff. Please do recognize that day. Um, um, it's important. And, and with that, I want to switch gears entirely to um, uh, a woman who has a list of accolades that – I could take the whole hour going over and then we would never get to her. So I'm going to do that first and welcome um, the Belinda Carlisle to the show. Belinda, welcome. Oh, thank you so much. Nice to meet you. Nice meeting you too. And congratulations on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That is so long overdue. How did that feel? (laughs) Yeah, well, it was. I'm still, I'm still floating on air and still pinching myself. Um, it was, you know, it was really an amazing experience, and and uh, just four days of pure joy and and uh, celebration, and 
and uh, we all had a great, great time. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, we, were, we had been eligible for about 15 years, and, and uh, you know, we had this documentary come out in 2020, I believe. I don't even know what year it is anymore. Right. Um, so, so, and I think, it, it, and, and the documentary told the story of the band in such a beautiful way, and, and a lot of people don't, don't know the story of the band. So I think that really helped uh, get us inducted. Yeah, and it's your accomplishment uh, as that band is is still huge. I mean, it even even I'd call you a trailblazer, but there aren't even a lot that have followed you on the trail. And that is a female band that played its own interest, instruments and wrote its own songs, which doesn't seem right. like there should be so few, but there haven't been a lot. Um, what? What is your view, having been through the gamut within the industry of the music industry and female artists? Well, I mean, I, I don't know why there isn't. You know, there hasn't been, uh, you know, well, the bang, we have the bang. We have, you do have some female bands, um, but there should be a lot more. And I don't really understand. I know I can speak for other girls in the band, and none of us really understand why that is the way it is. Um, I think when we, you know, music was, it was was a different time and and music was a totally different thing back when we started in, in, well, back when we got signed to a record label in the early 80s, I think 1980, 81, where, you know, authenticity was celebrated and and, in the sort of genre that that we were a part of, um, we... I don't know. We were really, really lucky. We didn't really experience a lot of um, sexism, except in the beginning, record companies wouldn't sign us because we were women or girls. We, were, we weren't even women. We were, we were young girls. Right. Um, so that was, you know, that was, and, and they were honest about it. They said, well, there had been, there hasn't been any uh, pre- you know, precedence. Of, no, there hasn't been a, a, an all girl band that's been really successful. So, Sorry, we have to pass. And so it's okay. Well, if somebody did come along, Miles Copeland, and took a chance. And we were really, we were working with people who, um, you know, were very supportive and, and with our art and with, with our image. And, with you know, they let us have 100% artistic control, which a lot of artists these days, especially women, don't really get. Right, right. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny because on a personal note, um, I was hanging out in Hollywood um, at the late 70s, early 80s, and um, I kind of had heard of you, but this was before Go-Go's, sort of like word of mouth with, I had friends who were um, in the <laughs> punk scene there, and they were saying like, oh yeah, so-and-so's girlfriend Belinda's, you know, with these girls now, and they're forming this girl group, and you know, they're starting to get really hot and everything else, and then you, you took off. Um, so it's like sort of like That's three so degrees funny. of separation at, at that time. Yeah. I will say I did one yeah. thing better than you. I, I crashed and burned with drugs and alcohol earlier than you did. Um, I got sober <laughs> in 1982. So I was. Uh, wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I wow. got to enjoy well, all of your work sober. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Well, I mean, it's it's that. It, then you'll know that that time in L.A. You know, the 
late 70s, uh, very early 80s, was an incredible moment in time for Los Angeles. Well, for, 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 for music. And, and Los Angeles had, you know, there was something very exciting in the air. It was, uh, you know, it was um, just full of art, you know, the art and creativity and music. And, and it was just a really amazing time. And we knew at the time that we were experiencing something that doesn't really come around so often. Yeah. It, no, it was, yeah, with the clubs and, you know, it was, everybody was, you know, kind of rebellious, but in a fun way and everything else. And, um, you know, and drugs and alcohol were all around. It was, um, yeah. the, my <laughs> friends who were, were part of that, um, he was actually a heroin addict who kicked heroin by becoming a full blown alcoholic. I mean, that was his, <laughs> his path. <laughs> of, oh, of I've wellness. heard that many times. <laughs> or you, or you yeah. go from drugs and alcohol to shopping. So there's always something out there. Yeah. To be yeah. obsessive so, about, but yeah, it was an amazing the, time. Now you you talked about having a, a lot of um, gay and lesbian friends and you know being closely connected in the eighties, um, and this is part of what I experienced in early sobriety was um, the AIDS crisis and the pandemic right. of that era. Were you? Were you shielded from that um, with your role in pop music? And obviously you were very much in the straight part of society was the, you know, a big part of your audience or uh, was that as evident to you of what was going on then? Well, no, I was right in it. I mean, I remember, um, uh, I mean, first of all, I, I've lost a lot of friends to AIDS and um, I remember before they had a name for it. And, and uh, there was a little, like, it was like a little deli um, uh, that was on Santa Monica Boulevard in, in the late 70s, early 80s. And I remember them talking about this, this illness that, that gay men were getting. And, and um, you know, I mean, and everybody was, you know, really sort of on edge. And, and then, you know, of course, you know, it had a name. And, and, um, you know, it was everywhere. I was, I definitely wasn't shield, shielded, shielded from it. Um, my best friend, in fact, died of complications from AIDS. Mm -hmm. um, um, so, I mean, I had a lot of losses in that regard. Um, but, I mean, you know, when it was like my, you know, music and, and all that craziness, there was like pre-AIDS and then AIDS and then post-AIDS. So there was definitely right. different... <laughs> different behavior before AIDS came along and, you know, lots of craziness, lots of drugs, lots of sex, anything went, um, especially in the punk scene, anything went. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, yeah, it, it definitely has always been a big part of my life. Even in, my best friend in high school um, was, a, you know, a gay man. And, and so I've always been, you know, not even on the periphery. It's always been a big part of my life, the, the, the scene. Yeah, it's uh, and part of the reason I wondered that was because um, your son came out to you at 14, which um, right. I'm I my I have two I have two sons one one's 18 and one's 19, and um, if either one of them had come out to me at 14, even being gay myself, I would have I, I would have 
I, there would have been a lot of stuff for me in, in that uh, as well. Oh, but I was wondering yeah. if, if fear of, of, of the threat of AIDS, even though a lot of it had been contained at that point, whether that was part of your fear for him. Um, well, partly. I mean, well, first of all, it's like what you said is that, you know, as gay friendly as and, and uh, you know, as immersed in the scene as I was, and my husband, you know, has lots of gay friends, when your only son comes out to you, I mean, you immediately go to what kind of world is he going to have to deal with, you know? And and then, of course, the, you know, the thought of, of the, the people that I've loved that I've lost in my life to AIDS. So, yeah, and I and I know that now with, with new drugs and, and everything that are out there that, I guess, preppers and stuff that, you know, I mean, it's still kind of scary. I mean, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I've heard a lot of stories about, about, you know, sort of behavior reverting back to, you know, almost w- where it was, you know, pre-age. So that kind of scares me. And it's funny because when my son graduated from um, school, we gave him, and he, he, he said, I'm, you know, as a gay teen, living, we lived in France in the mountains, and there wasn't really a, a support system. So he was always on Facebook in the middle of the night. And I, it was before he came out. I would, like, I'd get up and I'd see, like, at 3 o'clock in the morning, he'd be on Facebook. I was like, <laughs> what the hell are you doing? You know, and little did I know that was his only sort of what his, his, his support. And so when he um, graduated, he said, I am out of here. And I don't blame him. It was, you know, provincial France. And we sent him to West Hollywood with a box of condoms, you know, so, so, and just said, just be careful, you know, and, and, um, but, you know, now, I mean, it was never an issue. I mean, of course, I was like, what have I said? What have I done? All those stupid cliches go through your head. Right. And my husband, I, he didn't know for like a month because I told Duke not not to, you know, I got to sit with this and process it and figure out how we're going to tell dad. And as, as gay friendly as he is, it's still for a father having his own, his only son being gay. I mean, that can, for some men, be a reflection on their masculinity or whatever. So I sat with it for a month. I went to my shrink, you know, went to a lot of AA meetings trying to figure out what to do. And I just came to my own conclusion that I would tell my husband myself. And, and um, you know, for my husband and my son, that was, that was a to and fro for about six months. Because, you know, it's, it's, it, there weren't arguments, but my husband was thinking, oh, it's just a phase. Like, it's kind of all the cliches that you hear about. Right. And, you know, my son would say, it's not a phase, Dad, you know. And anyway, long story short, we can't imagine having a straight son. I just, I, I, I just, I, I just wouldn't be able to, I mean, it'd be fine, but I'm, I am so happy I have a gay son. I can't tell you. Yeah, no, Duke, and he's so um, exuberant and, and, you know, his, his passion for what is right and justice comes through his writing and, you know, when he speaks and, you know, it's like, it's, it's, um, yeah, he he just he's the best kind of gay 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 kid that you could have. I mean, it's like it's great, and I actually love parts of the story um, of him, you know, really studying before he came out to you, and 
he was actually quoting lines from P Flag at you, um, yeah. you know, when he came out. <laughs> so it was like, you know, it's like it, it's like a sort of a new wave of how I to come out to your parents because when I came out, oh. there was none of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, P Flag. I mean, I'm a big supporter, and I do a lot a lot of um, things for P Flag, and gladly because, I mean, that they were there for my son to talk him through. Um, you know, my son told me a lot of things that you know, that they told him, and I just thought, you know, they're such an invaluable organization for kids and for parents who might not be able to deal with the idea of having a gay child, but I love them. They were there for him, and they told them exactly, coach someone, you know, go to your mother, you know, tell your mother before you tell your father, which I think is, you know, so genius, you know, and, and uh, you know, also, you know, he was saying that my sexuality does not define who I am. And I was like, wow, you know, for a 14-year-old to say that. Um, but he was always really, really clear about who he was. And I, and I knew deep inside that he, I had a gay child before he came out to me. There was all sorts of, you know, little things um, in his early life. So, you know, I wasn't shocked, but I was shocked at the same time. So right. I don't know if that makes right. any sense. <laughs> No, it, it totally does, and it, it's also because um, I heard you guys talking about it on on a you know, when you were together on a stage about it, and there is that aspect of coming out, and uh, he he was talking about it because he was starting to tell you, and he held back, but he had already literally jumped off the edge. I mean, ledge. He already was in it, and that is the process of coming out because once you start telling somebody that about yourself it's over because you have now yeah. shut the door on their whole perception of you, good or bad forever. Cause now you are now in your gay identity and you know, it's authentic, yes. but it's still scary because you're, you're, you're committed to it. I do love the part of the story though, that you, you know, you told them, he told you about it. You told him not to tell anybody everything else, but with his enthusiasm, <laughs> yeah. he, he called the whole school together the next day. What, what was oh that Oh, my like? God, I know. Well, everybody in, okay, we lived in a little village. I mean, you know, we lived in the mountains in France. I mean, it's, it's like, it's provincial and, and you know, um, you know, not, you know, it's not the city. You know, but, but anyway, so he, there was a school assembly. I told him, not, don't tell anybody until we, we tell, you know, your dad first. And, and, uh, but he went and the, there was a school assembly and he got up in front of the whole school and said, I am gay. And, you know, everybody in the school cheered and he, you know, he was running for a school uh, the, the president, student body president, and he won. And um, like three or four other kids came out that year. So, um I mean, I couldn't get mad at it, but I would have preferred if we would have waited because everybody knew that he was gay except for my husband for the first month, month and a half. <laughs> you know, and I, I do have to say one thing in defense of your husband, though, because um, uh-huh. you know the sex education that we as boys got, you know, back in the day, was they actually incorporated the idea that boys might play with other boys. And the thing they always told us was, you know, as you're going through puberty, you may play around like this. Don't worry. It's a phase. It's going to go away. You're going to 
like girls after all. So that that was <laughs> something that that we were told. And you know, for me, you know, I was just kind of going, okay, this is lasting a little long here. <laughs> you sure it's going away? <laughs> Doesn't feel like it's going away. Yeah, but, yeah. So yeah, that's I, kind yeah. of like what. Well, yeah, it's what we were all told. It's just just a phase. Oh, it's just a phase. And uh, yeah, I mean, so it's it's you know it's it's one of those cliches that you t- kind of go to when you're um, you know I don't when whether it's traumatized, but it is a bit. It's you know it's a big 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 deal when you're when your child comes out. <laughs> it is you know no matter how yeah, gay friendly yeah. you are, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's and um, I I think in in the storytelling you've done about um, Duke, uh, you know, I think you originally thought you were going to have a girl, and it turned out to be a boy. I mean, it's like your your path was sort of like don't expect anything, <laughs> don't put prior expectations down because he's going to surprise you. Oh, I know, I know, I know. It, well, it's it's uh, I'm so glad I didn't have a girl because I would have been so terrified that she'd turn out. Uh, to be like like me as a teenager, who was a, I was a monster, a complete monster. And uh, so, I mean, karma was kind to me and, and didn't give me a girl. It gave me a, a gay son. So I'm very, quite what? happy with the way it all turned out. <laughs> and, and apart from the fact that he's gay, the one thing that I, I give you extreme kudos over is, you know, he's been interviewed and he was asked in general – um, who was the the most um, courageous person that he ever knew, and you were the answer. And as a parent, huh. hearing a child call his parent that, kudos. You know that's Hall of Fame stuff wow. in itself. You know, so wow. I mean, you I, I obviously, didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah. that's that makes me that yeah. that makes me. It's so I I know it makes me almost like teary up teary eyed because I I had no idea but I mean you know he's he's um I think between my husband and myself we 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 did a, we're really proud of of how he turned out and the person he's become he's very very um you know uh, he's always been active politically you know very uh, about t- much about taking the high road and. And you know, um, you know, we're proud. We're very, very proud. Yeah, and and you should be, and and he's equally within his rights to be proud of you guys because it's. I mean, it's it must be, and pardon the expression, sobering for you to look at a lot of your peers in the music industry. You know, it, it's like it's almost like the curse of big fame. You know, you've got Whitney, you've got Michael Jackson, you've got Prince, you've got so many people that should still be here, but aren't. And, you know, how much does fame and addiction weave itself together? Well, I mean, um, you know, well, you know, the Go-Go's, we were 22, 23 years old when that kind of fame where you couldn't walk down the street hit, you know, and, and there's, of course, mm-hmm. when you're that young and you have that kind of thing, I mean, there's mostly amazing things about it, uh, but it's pretty, um, it's pretty weird. And, and it does really weird things to your head. And there's no handbook on 
how to handle that kind of fame. You know, otherwise I probably would have read it. I mean, the pitfalls, but all the cliches that come along. I mean, you know, and especially back then in the 80s, where a lot, where a lot of my contemporaries who aren't here anymore uh, sort of came up in that time where there was no real stigma around cocaine anyway. And, and um, you know, it wasn't, um, alcoholism wasn't as it talked about. Um, I think for myself, speaking for myself, I knew that people expected from me to be a flaky artist musician. And so I thought, well, if they expect that, then I'll give that to them, you know? And then you always, of course, you never think that you're going to get, um, uh, become addicted. Uh, but, you know, you think you're, you're, you're bigger than that. And, you know, I mean, for myself and for some people I know, that it's it's a trap and and that you can't get out of. And and the, right. the, the fame and the money, I mean, that it's uh, it's just weird. It, it all kind of goes hand in hand. It's all like this swirls around, and it sort of buffers you from the outside world. At the same time, it destroys you. It's it's just weird. The whole thing is weird. Yeah, it's and I really appreciate your commentary that you've made about addiction, um, and um, you've talked about the kind of forgiving your your stepfather uh, for his addiction, and then and then uh, observing his transformation in sobriety, and you've you've talked about um, being the ability to look beyond a person's alcoholism addiction and seeing their true person underneath, um, which is, I think, right. something a lot of people don't grasp or see or understand. Um, what are right. your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you know, addiction and is, is a sickness. And um, I know, uh, for me, I mean, that what you said reminded me is when I, you know, I had 40 years of, of drugs and alcohol and, and um, I, it's a disease of perception also. So you can't really see how you hurt people and, and mm-hmm. you can't really see your effect on people and you're, you know, a selfish monster, whatever. And I, and for myself, I was selfish. I had, you know, secrets. My life was an unbelievable mess. Um, so, I mean, when I, when I first got sober, I, it, it was weird because about a week into my, very, very early sobriety. It, I, was, I was in London and I was shopping and all of a sudden it just hit me about all the pain that I've caused people around me. By, I mean, so much pain that I caused people for years. And so I called my husband who, who had about had it with me anyway at that point. And I just like broke down in, in, this, in this shop and and you know, sobbing, and I said, "Why, why are you, why are you still with me after all everything I put you through?" And he said, "Because I can see, I can see who, your heart, and I can see who you really are underneath all that." And that kind of hit me because that because every every addict has that heart and has that humanity that is just kind of. Um, obscured by you know by addiction and it's you know it's it's a horrible horrible um it's a horrible thing to have to for anybody to go through and 
And it's hard sometimes to remember that there's, you know, there is a heart underneath all that. There is something divine underneath all that, Mm -hmm. you know, darkness. No, absolutely. And I want to shift kind of really fast forward to to speak about that heart um, that you have, because you have a charity that absolutely blows my mind. Um, And that's the uh, Animal People Alliance. Uh, And that's, um, you're, you're celebrating that and, and doing a fundraiser um, in December in West Hollywood. Um, tell right. us about that charity because that, that is like, I mean, there are nice charities out there, but this <laughs> one to me is profound at what you're, you're doing. Uh, thank you. Well, you know, um, I have a great love for India, and I've been many, many times and had a little place in Goa for a while, and I just love the people, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not for everybody. You know, there's a lot of, uh, poverty, a lot of, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of things that most people can't really handle. Anyway, I love it. And, um, I have a friend who, I have lots of friends in Calcutta who work for NGOs. One of them, um, approached me about doing, um, some sort of animal project in Calcutta and I just thought about it and thought about it for about six months, and then I just called him and I said, yes, I'm in. So in 2014, we established, um, I'm a co-founder of Animal People Alliance, um, which, and now we're in Thailand, by the way, too. We're in northern Thailand near, near Myanmar. Yeah. But what we do is, um, besides um, serving the street animals of Calcutta and Chiang Rai, Thailand, and if anybody who's been to India, I mean, there's cows, dogs, horses, donkeys, you know, on the, in the streets. And um, that's just the way it is. So um, we not only uh, provide uh, services for those animals, like medical, medical care, but we train um, people who have been trafficked, have been, um, who are stateless. Um, the stateless people ha- can't get work or can't get identification um, or they're at risk of or people that are at risk of falling below the poverty line so we train them in animal care and um, you know provide employment and in turn they provide services for you know all these animals and we've treated uh, over 16,000 animals since 2014 yeah it's it's a fantastic concept um, you know, it's like people who, who were, you know, starving themselves now have employment and the animals are taken care of. It's like this sort of wonderful love circle that, that happens. And I just, I, I just think it's, it's really, really awesome. And I, I don't think we in America appreciate the treatment of animals and the animal situation elsewhere. Um, you know, right. to, to that extent, right. or the poverty even, you know, it's like, it's like, it's poverty that, you know, there, there's a lot of things with Americans where it's like we complain about things not being fair in our country and realizing that even on the lower end, we are still so much above what a <laughs> lot of people in the rest of the world are experiencing. And, you know, so uh, it's, it's really, yeah, it, it, it's a great awareness. So uh, tell us about the party. Um, that's coming well, up with uh, yes. uh, Trixie Mattel. Yes, I'm super excited. Um, 
we're ha- I'm having a Christmas party at the Abbey on December 16th. It starts at 7 p.m. And uh, Trixie Mattel is my co-host and also co-hosted by Steve Denier from Virgin Radio in London. He's, come- he's flying over. And um, it's an evening of, um, uh, you know, Trixie's going to be uh, doing her thing. Um, I'm going to be performing, um, you know, some songs and go-go's and solo. And we'll have a raffle and, you know, I'll be talking about uh, the mission of Animal People Alliance. And there'll be a DJ and dancing. It's going to be, a, you know, just a big bash and and, uh, you know, and I'm really excited because it's, it's, you know, Christmas time. So um, it'll be extra cheerful, I hope. I'm sure it will. Yeah. Oh, I think it's going to be fantastic. I mean, both, both I mean, <laughs> so many levels. One, you, <laughs> right there. That, that, <laughs> that's going to make it fabulous anyway. Um, Trixie Mattel is hilarious. Um, and for people who don't know, Trixie Mattel is, among other things, the um, winner of Season three of uh, RuPaul All Stars, so and fabulous talent. Um, plus, right. I think the timing is so right because you know people have been dying to to get together, and now you know yeah. they can now yeah. now and and so to to get together with a, a fabulous party, that's awesome. And speaking of get together, that is your latest single that's been out as well. Which I love, by the way. I love your voice oh, thank in, you. in, this, in this song. It just, it's, um, it's, it's got kind of your classic sound, but it also has a sense of maturity, and uh, there's a power to that, your version of this song that I don't think was in the original. It's almost motherly and demanding. It's like, get past, well, get together. And- <laughs> And timely. I mean, you know, everything is so, oh, God, we live in this age of outrage. And it's just like, okay, come on, people, just chill out, you know. And, and you know, arguing and, and you know, all that divisiveness isn't going to get us anywhere. So, actually, I, I thought it was really, really, you know, I'm, it's, 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 uh, uh, you know, it, it's timely, and uh, I, I recorded it for a little compilation that that's being put out in the UK. But it's gotten some traction, and and people seem to really like it. No, I, I think it's wonderful. I, one thing I, I wanted to ask you about um, is, and I'm I'm super inspired by what ABBA is doing right now, where they've come together after 40 years. You know, and ABBA, I, I would see. Abba and the Go-Go's have some parallels between your, your pop experience. I mean, you, you know, your, your songs have all made it into a Broadway show. Um, you know, it's like, right. you know, you were, you know, they, they were 70s, 80s, and you guys kind of came out in the middle of their, their wave or whatever. But in, right. you know, in their discussions and in recent interviews, um, they've talked about how they don't really have anything they have to prove but they are back and they are, you know, and, and it is, to me, it's really gratifying to see an arc to the music um, availability that isn't just targeted at teenagers that has maturity to it. Um, What are your feelings on that? And, and if somebody offered the Go-Go's like a situation like the ABBA is doing with their avatars and, 
you know, um, where they don't have to physically perform, but their music is presented. <laughs> Would you guys want to go for something like that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I think it's, first of all, I love ABBA. I've, I've always been a huge, huge, huge fan of theirs. And I love the, the new album. I think they're just, you know, just masters at what they do. And, and, uh, um, I think it's really, really interesting because I didn't know about the whole uh, Avatar thing, and I was watching the video going, God, they look really good. You know, they, they look exactly the same. And I was like, duh, you know. And um, I, think, I, think it's a, I think it's a really, really interesting concept. And I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the reaction is to it. I mean, because I, 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 I stay away from the news, by the way. I don't watch news, but I do know about this. Have they gone on tour with it yet, and, and what is the reaction? Uh, well, they've, uh, the reaction to the music is huge. I mean, they've um, – Yeah, that's uh, – Different yeah. charts, they're, they're, they're going off the top. Um, the, um, the Avatar thing itself isn't open yet, to my understanding. I think it's, it's a, okay. it is a place in London um, – I believe it's London that, – that you can go to and it'll seat like 3,000 people and – um, Unbelievable. Integrate, yeah, their new music and their old music, and they're performing it, uh, you know, in this avatar form because the thing they didn't want to do is they didn't want to go on tour. Um, and, yeah, you know, yeah. but they still are musical. But it's just um, the, the one song, Don't Shut Me Down, on, it just crushes me. It just crushes me. It's so poignant for those of us of a certain age. I mean, it's like that, yeah. that you know, we're yeah. not over type thing. And, and I think of you in many ways with that because you have, you know, you've reinvented on a whole new level with your altruism. You know, it's like, you know, it's like you're, you're just, you're not done. You're, you're midway and it's, it's different, but it's, it's still poignant and important and, and yeah, all the work yeah. you're doing. Yeah. Oh, so thanks. It's just, uh, well, it'll be, it'll yeah. be interesting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I interrupted oh, you. No, no, you I'm go sorry. ahead. <laughs> no, I think it'll be This isn't supposed to be about you. <laughs> no, I can't, I can't really get my head around, like, the whole hologram thing. But I need to see it to have any to, – to, to, and, and I will be in London next year all, all, all summer. So – I, if it's still, I'm sure it'll still be going on, so I'm going to go check it out and see if it's something. I mean, I can't imagine, because when you're on stage and you have an audience, it's like an energy exchange, you know, it's, it's, it's um, right. you know, the artist feeds off the audience and, and vice versa. So it'll be really interesting to see if it has that kind of, that in, that thing you can't really put your finger on that makes that makes good rock bands, that makes a good show. You know, you can, you can go through the songs and, and just, like, phone it in, and, 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 and it can be really, really good. But there's something about the live sort of energy with real people. But that being said, I don't know a lot about um, avatars and, you know, holograms and stuff. So, um, you know, but I'm open to it, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it and see what it's all about. I know about it. And I know AI is the future, and you know that what's his face, that idiot that runs Facebook, Zuckerberg, <laughs> the metaverse, you know that whole thing that he's doing. 
So, so um, I mean, I know that, and I get, I, I'm, you know, hearing about that. I'm like, it's not for me, honestly. It is not for me. But I do want to check out the ABBA thing because I think that's very interesting. And it can't be bad, you know, but will it be the same as seeing a real band, real people, and having real people in the audience? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's a huge, huge point because there is something about that. I mean, it's like light theater. It's like, you know, it's 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 yeah. it's this is not this is not a you know the the artist knows what they're doing, but you know they their their voice could this could be a once in a lifetime tone of their voice that you'll never hear again. You know, even though it's a yeah. familiar song, and, yeah. you know, all of that. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I think, I think, I think it's, it's super valid. I want to ask you about one other thing um, that is part of the world today and just your perspective on it, because looking back on a lot of the interviews that you've given and done over the years, I found myself incredibly uncomfortable, um, very, um, almost ang- no angry <laughs> i'm not going almost angry <laughs> because uh just so many of the ones that i've watched that i've seen the way you were treated in terms of like the me too movement and being just um um personified as as your body and um right. you know it, i mean i've seen interview after interview where the first half three quarters of interview doesn't touch on your talent at all. It was all about, you know, your looks and, you know, comment on this and comment on that. Did that bother you at the time? You were such a good sport about it. Um, And in the light of Me Too movement looking backwards, um, is that part of it? Well, I mean, I was never angry because I come from a whole different sort of generation, I just tell them to F off if it really bothers me. And, um, yeah. you know, sometimes I was uncomfortable, of course. Um, I was like angry. No, I mean, believe me, I've had really, I mean, really inappropriate things said and done to me. And, and um, but I've always kind of said just F off, you know, and, and um, yeah. You know, so I just, I never, I don't know. I mean, and I don't, I, and I, I think that the Me Too movement is a really important thing. Um, but for myself, I, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I mean, I come from a whole different, I'm, I'm like, I'm like the Catherine Deneuve's and the, and the Sophia Lorenz, <laughs> those, those women who had comments like, you know, well, just, you know, it's, it's, you have to be tough, you know, and, and um, I mean, there's certain men should definitely be called out for sure. You know, it's, it's really good right, that right. a lot of the monsters have been called out. You know, at the same time, there's been a lot of claims made against people who were, who were innocent too. So this whole trial by social media is something that um, I find a little bit troubling, but right. know, for my, speaking for myself, I was, have always if anybody ever crossed the line, I made sure, and I was bothered by it. I was very, very vocal about it. That that's excellent because it, it. I mean, that was sort of part of my reaction to it. Was like, oh my god, if if he's treating her this way on camera, what what must she be enduring off camera in private moments? You know, with these well, people, it just it was you know. Well, can I? Yeah, can I say I was never? I never considered myself a victim. 
because I yeah. was able to really stand up for myself and to be like, you know, just like really sort of call them out and tell it like it is. And, and then I felt fine about it. And then I let, let it go. I didn't like carry it with me. I just let it go. Right. But I mean, right. I was lucky in some ways I was never raped. I mean, I had, I have had really inappropriate things, you know, sort of attempts. Um, but I was, I never really, to be honest, I, I was, for the most part, left alone because I think that I put, can put off a, an energy that don't even even you don't even go there. So I was pretty lucky in that way, I think. Yeah, and I think that energy is something that a lot of women would benefit from being inspired by. And and you know, it's like I, I think it's a two-edged thing that um, yes. that yes. kind of behavior on the part of men has got to be curtailed. It is not appropriate. It's not right. And, um, you know, the, the carte blanche is over. Um, but by the same token, it's not by the same token, but, but it is inspiring when women just don't stand for it. And, and I know, say, I know. You know I, and I never, and I never, ever, ever did. I was, you know, I mean, I was tough. And the go-go's in mass. If I, if it's, like, it's like Charlotte says, it's a five-headed monster. No man ever tried anything on with the Go-Go's. I mean, they men were, were actually really frightened by, by the five of us sitting in a room. They'd like, look in and, like, <laughs> hightail it out of there. <laughs> it's just like, no, no way. <laughs> no way. That, that is a comment about women in unity because I remember the first time I took my sons to a girl's birthday party. Um, it was a friend of theirs, and she had a bunch of her friends. And then my sons were the only boys that walked in. And they walked into the room of girls, and they were like, they have never been so intimidated by a bunch <laughs> of boys. Like they were that bunch of girls. So, yeah, it's like yeah. one power is, is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. 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 So I want to hear, what, uh, what do you have coming up? I understand there are some singles in the works and other things. Please, please, please. Yeah. Yeah, I have. I'm. I'm. I was just. I was just saying to my manager. I had two years where I did nothing, and you know I was longing for the days of work. And now I'm busier than ever, and I'm longing for the days of doing nothing. So, <laughs> so which is a good thing. So, I mean, I have. I'm finishing up an album that I started two years ago. I'm working on a project with Diane Warren, which is amazing, and I'm really excited about. I have um, Go Go's dates at the end of the year. I have an Australian tour in February. I have lots of festival dates, solo um, in Europe this next summer. And, I, and the Go-Go's are opening up for Billy Idol in the U.K. So I'm really, really busy and then trying to get all this other, you know, recording stuff done. But I am so grateful and I, cause it, that I have this amazing career where I can just kind of play. It's like playtime. It's not even work. It's playtime. Right. So, you know, but I have to... I have to take care that I'm not too overwhelmed because like I said, it is busier than it's ever been. But part of that is because of the rock hall that, that was a, an amazing gift. Well, and, and again, it, it was, it was sort of bizarre that it took so long because it's so obvious that you guys deserved <laughs> it. And, you know, it's, it's sort of like coming home. Yeah. You belong there. That space should have been yours anyway. And, and no matter yeah, what, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, there are some people that didn't like us. Um, on a personal level, I think, 
And um, but I always said it's like you don't have to like the music, but you know, look at the look at the, you know look at the the story is incredible. I mean, we had no right. idea what we were doing, and to go from that to being the number one band in America like two and a half years later, I mean that's something, and and doing it all on our terms, so that's something. So anyway, I mean there was a big change and. Uh, on you know a, a, like a lot of people left that were on the committees and blah 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 and as soon as that lot, certain people left we got in and I think the documentary it's a documentary that is, is so great and it really captures the essence of the band and I think that really really made it possible possible for us to be inducted this year no question yeah it's well it, it definitely deserved and great foundation. Um, kind of going to the that level of you're at a position where you get to just do what you want to do. I was super impressed with um, uh, Wilder Shores, the, the album you put out that has your mantra weaved into it. Um, you know, right. And so you're weaving your spirituality and your, your, your pop art together. Um, do you have more plans to, to do that or to, to kind of, come out with something that is more core of your, your spiritual um, um, support system? Well, I mean, that was, I mean, I'm a, I've been chanting um, and chanting is a science. It's not airy fairy. It's, um, you know, chanting um, when I, in my early days of sobriety, when everything was a disaster around me, I was chanting two to three hours a day and my life condition and I was flying. I was, I was, I was elated with life and I should have been honestly like, you know, <laughs> suicidal because everything was just so ho- horrible. So, and I know the, ch- the power of chanting. So, um, while the shores, I mean, I always wanted to do a, a chant album. Um, and I thought, why not put it in a pop song format where you have a verse bridge, you know, chorus. And, and so that's what I did. And, and I'm really, really happy with it. Um, I, I mean, everything I'm working on now is English <laughs> Is in English because <laughs> and, and and the album before Wilder Shores, I mean, was my album Voila, which is probably my favorite album I've done. It's it's all in French. I mean, I I did you know it's an album of French classics and right. I worked with Brian Eno and Natasha Atlas and all these great artists and and um, um you know but that was that you know my record company said well why don't we why don't you do something in English so. That's kind of what I'm doing, but that's not, not not to be. I mean, I just kind of wing it as I go along, and I learned from my album Voila, which is my album I made in very early days of sobriety. That I learned what it was like to work from the heart, and you know, work you know in a way that you don't care about any kind of outcome, and that's kind of the way I'm working now, like I did with the, with Wilder Shores album. And although I'm doing um, everything in English now, it still has to be, I still, I can only work from the heart since I, ha- I had that experience. I was, I'd always been on a hamster, hamster wheel, always under pressure to perform. And now I'm just at this point in my life where I'm just having fun and I'm doing what I love and, I'm, and that's the only way I can work. And, and I'm, I'm just really lucky in that way. Well, it's, it's a true testament, and it is, it is obviously from the heart because it, everything you're touching is so heartfelt and full. 
And it really does yeah. speak to that the theme that we were talking about earlier, that the the you that was hidden under addiction and you know the the whole you know pop star thing mm-hmm. has has definitely emerged. And and you're so exciting to watch. You're so exciting who you are oh, right now. Oh, thank just, you. Is is you know as as you know I'm totally fanboying now, but it's like you know it, it's just <laughs> it really is thrilling. Um and um and you're you're oh, incredible. Thank you. Um, we've, we've only got three more minutes left. Um, what, what haven't I asked mm-hmm. that I should have asked you? Oh, you've asked some, you've asked really, really good questions. I don't know. I mean, you've asked what I want to do, but I, I will say, you know, I mean, when you said that we talked about the Abbott song, don't shut me down. Um, you know, it's, it's like when you say it was life and stuff. I mean, frankly, my life is much more exciting it has been much more exciting since sobriety than it was even at the top of my game in the go-go's or heaven on earth. I mean, so anybody out there who's, you know, worried about aging and life is going to be over at a certain point, it's not, it's, it's life is just the most amazing, amazing uh, miracle and privilege. Oh my God. What incredible last words. Thank you so much. You're such a joy and thank and mean that from, Thank you for everything you do uh, and everything you are. You're, you're, you're just stunning on every level. And I'm so grateful to have been able to spend this time with you. Again, the event is uh, December 16th at the Abbey. Great cause. Incredible. And I'm going to use a word that I've been avoiding the whole interview. Iconic singer, Belinda <laughs> Carlisle. <laughs> the very fun, uh, Tristan Martell. Um, you guys have to get out and, and support this and, and take it in. Um, and I yeah. want to thank uh, Brody for um, his work, um, although he's been awfully quiet during this interview, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a pig. I will just say real quickly, because I know we're at the end of the show, I've enjoyed listening to this interview very much. Uh, Ms. Carlisle, congratulations uh, on Aww, your elevation you. to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland. Uh, <laughs> thank you very much as a fellow animal lover uh, for what you do. Uh, and as someone who has traveled uh, as a reporter for the last four decades, many times to India, I completely get what you're saying. So with that, yeah. Rob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Great. Um, nice to welcome Linda, you thanks. guys for having me, honestly. Thank you. Thank you. Oh. I, our absolute, the pleasure is all ours. And anytime you want to come back, we'll bump anybody we're talking to for you. No problem. <laughs> well, I, I never know. Uh, you never know. We'll, we'll uh, stay no. well. And, and, um, and happy holidays. I can say that now officially. So, and happy yeah, holidays. Yes. Happy holidays to you, too. And, and thanks to our listeners. Uh, please do subscribe and um, listen to our podcast every week. We promise you excellent programming all the time. For the team here at Rated LGBT Radio, um, we will see you again next week. You've been listening to Rated LGBT Radio. Great. Thank you so much. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.